You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn our attention to the Old Testament reading for today. We read it earlier. I'm just going to read a couple of verses recorded in Jonah chapter 4. God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? This is the Word of God. Have you ever met someone before that, that you had, had never met before, but, but you felt like you knew them? That's kind of what happened to me as I prepared the sermon for today and worked in the book of Jonah. I, I felt like I'd met Jonah before, but obviously that's not the case as he lived some 2,700 years ago. Maybe I felt like I knew him because I have met someone else that reminded me of him. I wonder who that was or is. Maybe by the end of the sermon I'll have it figured out and maybe you will too. Now God called Jonah to go and preach to the Ninevites. Nineveh was the capital city of Israel's biggest enemy. Now, usually the way it works is we don't want to do anything to help out our enemy. And yet that is what God called Jonah to do. But Jonah didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so rather than go 600 miles to the east to Nineveh, he boarded a ship with plans to travel 2,000 miles in the exact opposite direction. Does that sound like anyone you've met before? Someone who went in the exact opposite direction that God told him to go? Who is it? Well, eventually God got his way, and Jonah did preach to the Ninevites. But even then, we see reluctance in his preaching and afterwards, too. In our lesson for today, we learn that after he preached in the city, he went outside of the city and and set up shop, just watch and wait, still thinking that God would most certainly pass down his condemnation on the city. Jonah didn't want Nineveh to be destroyed simply because he was an Israelite and Nineveh was the capital city of their enemy. There was a part of Jonah that wanted Nineveh destroyed because he was an Israelite, one of the nation that God had chosen and the Ninevites weren't. Jonah wasn't alone in that. There were many in Israel who had become blind and thought that God's grace and mercy were for some, but not others. It's too bad, really, and we see it play out throughout the book of Jonah. In in chapter 3, we learn how God saw that the Ninevites turned from their evil ways. He had compassion and did not bring upon the destruction he had threatened. One would think that Jonah would have been overwhelmingly joyed with that. 
And yet, what do we learn in the first verse of chapter 4? Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Jonah did not think those people deserved God's mercy. And so he was still holding out hope that God would destroy them. Does this sound like anyone we've met before? Someone who had a little bit of resentment in their heart because God had mercy on someone that we just felt he should not have mercy on. I just feel like I've met Jonah before. Who, Who is this I'm thinking of? I hesitate to say this about any one of God's chosen prophets, but Jonah was a selfish man. In chapter 4 alone, there are at least 10 references of Jonah to me, myself, and I. He isn't concerned about them, the hundreds of thousands of people in Nineveh. He's mostly concerned about himself. Actually, he's only concerned about himself. The only time we see him smile in all of this is when God provided him some shade. The Lord just withdrew his his condemnation from the people. That only made Jonah angry. But then the Lord provides some shade for him, and finally he cracks a smile. He's happy with the shade that God provided for him, but mad that God spared the city. Selfish to say the least. Does this remind you of anyone you've met before? Who is it? Jonah's selfishness is highlighted even more when God took his shade away. His smile turned into a frown. His happy face turned into an angry face. God asked him, do you have a right to be angry? I do, Jonah said. But that's all a selfish person is concerned about. No one else's rights, no one else, just my rights. Does this ring a bell? Is is this anyone you've met before? Who is it? Are we ready for the answer? I must confess that I knew the answer all along. It's just that I have a really hard time admitting it. It's me. Jonah reminds me of me. And there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, right? Jonah had a problem. Jonah had had a, a problem. There's a little bit of Jonah in us, too. As we hesitate maybe to reach out to someone simply because, what, they're different than us? They have done something really bad? That They're unlikable? And that's when we become mirror images of Jonah, not going out and reaching out to the people God has called us to be because, what, maybe they have different values at the time, maybe they have different beliefs, different goals, different purposes in life. And what's the easy thing to do? To do what Jonah did and run away. So it it appears as if we have the same me, myself, and I problem as Jonah did. There's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, maybe more than we care to imagine. Years ago in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, there was a mass murderer that received national headlines. 
Eventually, he was found and convicted and sent to prison. And he didn't last too long in prison before he was killed. And that's when a huge debate started about whether or not a man like that could possibly have a place in heaven. After all, he he did confess his sins and he professed his faith in Jesus Christ as his Savior. But there were many people who made the argument that there's just no way that man deserved God's grace and mercy. We can all make the same exact argument. A man like that doesn't deserve God's love. But we have to be willing then to make the same argument about each one of us here. There is no one here that is deserving of God's love, that is deserving of his mercy. What have we done? We've done what Jonah did. We've we've run in the exact opposite direction God has called us to go. We're different. We're different than the kind of people God has called us to be. The Bible calls it sinners. That's that's what we are. And yet that's what makes it so much remarkable, so incredibly remarkable. Considering what we deserve and then considering what God gives to us. He gives us his son to willingly pay the price for us and that's what incredible grace that is. It's not just about us either, is it? The Lord is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's 2 Peter 3, verse 9. God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. And then we know John three sixteen so well. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And then also consider the, the picture of heaven that is painted for us in the, in the book of Revelation. I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. A reference to the Lamb. The, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb who is worthy because he was slain. And with his blood, he purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. The Lamb is Jesus, and he's the reason we would never want to set limits on God's grace in reaching out to others. Because God's grace has been limitless to us. But there's still a little bit of Jonah in all of us. But as you walk away from here today, start a new week, I don't want you primarily thinking about the man, Jonah. Instead, as as you prepare for another week here, I, I want you walking away from here thinking of another one whose name starts with J, Jesus. Gracious, forgiving Lord Jesus. Unlike the Jonah of 2,700 years ago and all the Jonahs gathered here, all Jesus was interested in was not himself, but in you. You think about how Jonah was reluctant to travel 600 miles to Nineveh, and yet how our gracious Lord Jesus had zero reluctance 
and traveling all the way from heaven to here. Wow. It, it gave him great pride and great joy to do all that he did for us. In fact, we are his pride and joy. What grace. Maybe when it's all said and done, I, I've given Jonah a bad rap today. I haven't really had much positive to say about him, right? But consider this. Most people understand that the book of Jonah was written by Jonah. And if that's the case, then I've shared with you not just what I know about Jonah. Jonah shared with us what he knew about himself. This is an open confession to all of us about his inner thoughts, his inner attitudes. And I know that the book of Jonah ends with, with his final words being, I do have a right to be angry, and I am angry enough to die. But there is a lot of reason to believe that this encounter and this account changed his life forever. Because whose words are recorded last in the book of Jonah? Not Jonah's, but, but the Lord's. Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? The book of Jonah ends with a question, but it's not an open question. But it is a question that Jonah must have asked himself many times in his life moving forward when he was in the, the company of someone that was a little different than him. Should I not also be concerned about him? Should I not also be concerned about her? Fitting question for all of us to ask throughout our lives too. Should I, should we not be concerned about the souls out there in Chula Vista? All of them. Should I, should we, not be concerned about the souls living in our very own home? Should I also not be concerned about, about the soul of my spouse? Should I not be concerned about the soul of the person sitting next to me in the office? Should I not also be concerned about the soul of the person living across the street from me? Should we also not be concerned about every soul everywhere? The answer is obvious. And the answer is found in the way God has dealt with us. Even though we have been and are the worst of sinners, we were worth dying for. And so were they. And so we may we love others in the way that God has loved us. May we extend to others the same exact grace God has extended to us. God grant it. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.